0: Radio. A
1: museum can be a time machine for its visitor. We'll put the director of the Civil War Museum of Philadelphia, John C. Rum, in the Civil War time machine when we return on Civil War Talk Radio.
2: Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6 with a word for business travelers. Seems business has its own language these days, full of buzzwords, like buzzword or net-net. And after a day spent whiteboarding a matrix of action items and deliverables, it's nice to know you can always outsource your accommodation needs to the nearest Motel 6. You'll get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price, net-net, of any national chain, plus data ports and free local calls, in case you tabled your discussion and need to reconvene offline. So you can think of Motel 6 as your total business travel solution provider, vis-a-vis cost-effective lodging alternatives for Q1 through Q4. I think. Just call 1-800-4Motel 6 or visit Motel6.com. I'm Tom Baudet for Motel 6 and we'll maintain the lighting device in its current state of illumination for you. Motel 6 and a core hotel.
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes
1: to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich at East Carolina University, talking today with John C. Rum, director of Philadelphia's Civil War Museum. We've been talking about the history of this museum, founded by officers, union military officers, members of the military order of the Loyal Legion of the United States, formed after the war, uh, who created a collection that survived over the decades, eventually becomes the heart of uh, the oldest chartered Civil War museum in the country. And this museum today is uh, in a a state of flux and uh, a state of great potential, apparently, before we go any further, tell visitors, uh, tell our listeners how, how to get to the museum, uh, what it costs, uh, the kind of thing visitors want to know.
0: Okay, be glad to. We are, uh, as I said, we're located in Rittenhouse Square. For people who are familiar with Philadelphia, or visitors who come to Philadelphia, there are four squares in Philadelphia that go back to the time of William Penn. Rittenhouse Square is on the southwest uh, side of the city. Uh, we are located at 1805 Pine Street. Uh, We're two blocks south of Rittenhouse Square. We're in this Victorian row house. Uh, It's not hard to get to. It's a little hard to find because, uh, unfortunately, due to zoning requirements, we are not allowed to put signs out in front of the museum. It's a residential neighborhood. Uh, But we are open to the public Thursday through Saturday from 11 to 4.30. The admission is $5 for adults. It's $4 for seniors and AAA members. $3 $3 for students and children, uh, and if you're under 3, you get in for free. A real bargain.
1: Now, Can you have a volunteer in uh, Civil War reenactment gear stand out in front to attract attention to your front door?
0: We've done that a little bit, uh, but you know, there's also loitering laws, and we don't want to <laughs> run up all of those. Um, But uh, we we do have people, I I kid, although unfortunately there's an element of truth to it, that we are the oldest Civil War museum in the country, and we're we're probably the least well-known. But we're hoping to change that through what we do. Uh, People have the opportunity when they visit us to go through on their own. Uh, We have a little manual that people can carry around. But uh, we really encourage people to go through with one of our docents. We have an extraordinary group of volunteers. Uh, many of them are, are reenactors uh, to a person they are passionate about the Civil War and they are tremendous storytellers. They are very gifted at being able to talk about the um, the artifacts that we have and the individuals whose lives are embedded in these artifacts and to tell great stories out of those. And so I encourage people if they, uh, if they are planning a visit to try to take advantage of, of our uh, great core of docents and uh, listen to the stories that they can tell
1: does the museum have plans to be in the same location indefinitely
0: well not indefinitely uh, I am uh, happy to say that uh, one of the uh, like, like a phoenix rising out of the ashes when the museum was reorganized a few years ago uh, it was done with a mandate to redevelop the museum actually to, to locate the museum in a different uh, facility and we have been negotiating for some time with the National Park Service to uh, uh, move to a location in Philadelphia, and we hope to announce that very shortly what that will be. But it will be a, a very spectacular building uh, in a much better location for us, and give us a little bit more elbow room to uh, spread out our collections and to um, to tell stories. But as I've been telling my board, as I've been uh, reminding my staff virtually every day, we are not. Moving the museum from one building to another. We are developing an entirely new museum based on the foundation of the old, uh, the, the predecessor museum. But uh, we are very much about recasting ourselves from top to bottom, building on the legacy of what Mollusk created, and focusing uh, like a laser beam, to paraphrase uh, one of our presidents, uh, on individuals and their experiences in the Civil War era, and how we can use those experiences of specific individuals to talk uh, about bigger questions, about the meaning of the war, the um, the uh, the definition of courage, the, the struggle for freedom, and so forth. I, I wanted to, if I could, go yeah. back a little bit. Uh, you know, I've been talking in kind of broad strokes about individuals, and I, I would like to share a, at least a couple of individuals whose stories I find very compelling, if you would like to hear some of them.
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I should say, one of the people whose work I have come to uh, to admire in, in the reading that I've done on the Civil War, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but uh, that's Bruce Catton. Uh, his work is just monumental in my, in my view, and he writes in an essay called There Was a Young Soldier, which was published in his collection Reflections on the Civil War, Uh, He's talking about uh, comparing the trajectory of a bullet with that of a soldier whom it killed. And he says that, uh, unlike a bullet's course, which can be traced and quantified, the trajectory of the man is infinitely complicated, unhurried, wandering down through the years with all sorts of twists, convolutions, false starts, unexpected dips and curves, and meaningless pauses. There is no pattern to it. It just goes on until something stops it, and then it stops forever. Or so at least it vanishes to where we no longer can see it. Uh, and he talks about how uh, the human trajectory is eternally incalculable, beginning with it's in deep mystery and ending in going blind to a fate no one can predict. I love that notion of a wandering trajectory of a man. Uh, and a good example of that is somebody whose memoirs I just discovered recently that we have a man by the name of Joseph Kaufman. Uh, nobody's ever heard of Joseph Kaufman except uh, his. Direct descendants, but he was born in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, about 1830. Uh, uh, decided to become an apprentice in tailoring, learned how to make clothing, and uh, was a member of the Lancaster Fencibles, one of the militia groups. And uh, in 1844, came with the Lancaster Fencibles to Philadelphia to. Uh, uh basically uh, protect the city during the nativist riots that took place in 1844. Next year, the Lancaster Fencibles were invited down to Baltimore and Washington to show their colors, and uh, he went down with them. And on the way back uh, from Baltimore was talking to a gentleman on the train who was from Richmond, Virginia, and they started talking about slavery. And Kaufman decided that he wanted to learn firsthand what slavery was like. So he went down to Richmond, took a job at a clothing store there, actually a shoe shop, and spent two years going to plantations, going to slave auctions, and uh, really concluded that there wasn't a lot objectionable about slavery interesting, Uh, came back to Philadelphia through a series of circumstances, and wound up in the Civil War becoming a member of the provost marshals force in philadelphia and was out uh, rounding up deserters rounding up uh, confederate spies a whole series of adventures that he had but the whole time is still very equivocal about slavery is it good or bad he's not really sure uh... at one point he's dispatched by the war department to break up a party of people who are trying to recruit um, african-american soldiers They were doing this out of the auspices of the War Department. Uh, They were doing it legally, and he basically told them to cease and desist. A couple of weeks later, he winds up going to Camp William Penn, where Lewis Wagner is the commander of the uh, largest training camp for African-American soldiers, and he becomes a corporal starting to train uh, recruits. Uh, I mean, it's just such a paradox that this man who is very equivocal about slavery, is now becoming a, uh, a commander of U.S. colored troops. His, the, the paradox of his life, I think, is, is so fascinating. You know, how do you reduce a life like that to, a very, uh, to one sentence? It was very complicated. And I think so many of the individuals whose lives we have are, have that, that mix of contradictions, of ambiguities. I think that what's make, is what makes their lives so fascinating because we are just like that. You know, we, we can't reduce, distill ourselves to a single sentence, and I think uh, by by kind of focusing on some of these individuals, we can talk about their complexities, we can draw out the fact that their lives, you know, many people's lives echo one another, that means that there are patterns that we can deduce in this, And talking about, uh, say, the experiences of soldiers as they go into battle, or the experiences of housewives as they try to raise their families in the absence of their husbands, but... But the individual stories are so compelling, we don't want to lose sight of the, the deep humanity of these individuals. And I think, uh, and I hope, that people would be caught up by this and would come to identify with these people. And uh, I hope uh, would be moved, in some cases, to tears, to uh, to to applaud their heroism, to laugh at their their foibles, and then to go home and think, you know, these people are agents of history and I can... Be an agent of history myself.
1: Now, the the hard part is how do you do that? How do you take these stories that if uh, if one has time to read a book, or better still, to pour over the original letters, where you get that that, that feeling that you're so close to history, reading the letters or diaries of someone like that. Uh, that's that's well and good, and, and a professional historian or a, a student of the war can do that. What what presentation techniques do you have in mind? What technology? What devices? How how do you get this story to uh, to the public? Walking through?
0: Well, if, if I had an easy answer to that, I'd uh, probably be able to make a fortune. It, it's not. Uh, I don't mean to be flip. It's not going to be easy. And when we we are very upfront about that, uh, we're we're in a sense we're creating a paradigm that has not been followed by many, certainly not by many Civil War museums. There are examples, the Lower East Side Tenement Museum in New York is a good example of a museum that focuses on individuals and, and tries to draw meaning from their experiences. It is challenging. Uh, you know, I've, As a professional historian, I, I, I understand the power of words and I love writing myself, but I get really turned off as a museum goer when I go into an exhibit and I see mm. books on a wall, reams and reams of text. You've got to focus on what uh, what is essential. Uh, I, I think create a highly visual experience for visitors. I think m- you need to convey a sense that there's no single answer uh, in in history. That's part of what makes history so enjoyable, is that there is no one answer. Give people multiple perspectives, multiple points of view. And well, than...
1: let me let me push sure. on that just for a moment because you and I feel that way. And I imagine many listeners feel that way. The more one knows about history, the more one appreciates that. But many visitors, in my experience, don't care for that. They want there to be one right answer. They've got enough ambiguity in their lives, and Mm -hmm. they're drawn to the past sometimes because, oh, it's very simple. We were good, we were right, and they were wrong. Uh, There were no moral complexities in the Civil War. It was just Good guys against bad guys. Not no, like but, today. but the
0: reality is,
1: uh, now, no. That I don't think they're right, but yeah, but that's why yeah. they're in your museum.
0: How uh, do you deal with that? One them? of the striking facts about Philadelphia, Philadelphia was uh, you know Pennsylvania was one of the first states to abolish slavery. The very first abolition movement of any kind in the world was in Germantown, Philadelphia, uh, Germantown, Pennsylvania, in the 1680s, when Quakers issued a decree uh, denouncing slavery and pushing for abolition. Yet there's a, a very salient point that on the eve of the Civil War in 1860, roughly two thirds of Philadelphia's economy was going to support the institution of slavery in the South through through importations of cotton goods, through the uh, the uh, capital that was extended to planters, the the collateral and credit that was provided, through the sale of, manufa- of machinery to textile mills and and sugar plantations, a tremendous amount of Philadelphia's gross product, uh, Boston's gross product, New York's gross product went to sustain the very institution that the North was moving to abolish. So, you know, to, to say that uh, we want to cut and dry answer underscore or uh, uh, confuses the fact, obscures the fact that there was a lot of complicity in this. There was a lot of ambiguity
1: paradox there. I'm fully in agreement with that and understanding that, but I'm suggesting that the, the museum visitor who comes through your door wants the cut-and-dry answer, and you and I know that it's, that's not the right answer. Sure. Well, I, how, I, how do we, if, if you say, well, here, read this book, they don't have time to read the book, how, how do we appeal to them, with, how do we avoid alienating them while telling them something they don't want to hear?
0: Well, first of all, you're right. You know, you you don't want to uh, you don't want to preach to people. Uh, at the same time, you don't want to leave them so confused and, and unsatisfied that they go away scratching their heads and thinking, well, you know, what, what did I? Really...
1: <laughs> yes, that, that's a challenge.
0: I, I think, again, to go back to a very basic concept that you engage people as individuals, get them to think about the fact that their own lives are complex, that, that to create a bond of empathy with people from the past it's part of the answer. Certainly we have to give some sort of basic information about the war, but but look, we historians haven't been able to agree on a whole lot of things in 150 years, so don't expect museum professionals to be able to glean from that any uh, divine sense of inspiration about what it all means. I think no, people knowing well that, going that would, would find it very exciting that, that you can have wrong answers and right answers, and it's a process that unfolds. Maybe I'm idealistic there, but I hope that uh, people understand that history works that way.
1: Well, I I hope they will, and I know they will want to see this museum as it develops. Unfortunately, we're out of time uh, today, but people at your museum will be able to take all the time they want. Uh, I urge our listeners to visit the Civil War Museum of Philadelphia. Uh, John, thank you very much for being
0: on the show. Thank you so much, Jerry, and uh, absolutely. We welcome people and, uh, and welcome your listeners, and thank you for the service you're providing.
1: And listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.